we ran it on QI a few years ago. Yeah. Um, which was, there's no such thing as a fish. Yeah, there's no such thing as a fish. No, seriously, it's in the Oxford Dictionary of Underwater Life. It says it right there, first paragraph, no such thing as a fish. <laughs> And welcome to another episode of No Such Thing as a Fish, a weekly podcast coming to you from the QI offices in Covent Garden. My name is Dan Schreiber. I'm sitting here with three other QI elves, Andy Murray, Anna Chazinski, and on our fact-checking duty today, James Harkin. Once again, we're gathering around the microphone to share our favorite facts from the last seven days. And joining us today is a special guest, uh, a comedian from Belgium, Lieven Schreiber. Hi. Hi. How's it going? Well, very good. I'm here, so that's great. Yeah, we're very excited to have you here. Levin is basically the Stephen Fry of Belgium. You have a show out there called Skyra and the Creation, which yes. is a panel show yeah. in which you have sort of comedians as well as interesting guests from all sorts of categories, wine tasters. That's the one I saw. Yeah, yeah, it's a panel show. It's much like UI, you know. I think I secretly I want to make UI in Belgium. <laughs> now I have to find a channel that wants to host it. I just remembered you got to headline the gig at CERN, right? Yes. Yes, that was last summer. I, I, I uh, was performing at CERN, which was absolutely amazing being a physicist stand-up comedian. Yeah, I could do, I could do all my <laughs> geeky jokes. <laughs> That's great. Um, all right, should we kick into it? Should we get mm. fact number one on the way? Okay, fact number one. We're going to start with you, Levin. Yes, my fact is that during the Second World War, the Nazis employed two official Nazi comedians. That's astonishing. Yeah, they were called Tran und Helle, and they did funny sketches. And, and I think Tran was, was the fat, stupid one, and then Helle would be the, 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 the perfect uh, man. There's a few still on YouTube. But I must warn you, they are utterly not funny. Um, and so surprising, yeah. Nazis. And the, well, they all they all have this war propaganda scenarios. Like I remember one where Tran was sitting in his living room and he was reading a biography of Churchill that was given to him by his Jewish neighbor. But luckily, Helle arrived and said, "Tran, what are you doing? That's all lies." And that was about it. That's, that's the punchline. That's the punchline. Yeah. This is why central government shouldn't get involved in comedy writing. Yes, that's right. Never works. But they they stopped these shows before the end of the war because the German people watching this were all sympathizing with with the stupid fat guy, <laughs> and not with this impossibly perfect Helle. And they were even the the stupid comedian was banned from the Nazi party oh, wow. because of this. Yeah. Ah. yeah, they're really not funny, are they? I watched one of them, which sounds really similar, about where he's listening to the radio. And he's being told by Hella um, to not listen to Western broadcasts. And he, Tran, says, I think I can make up my own mind about what's the truth and what's not. And Hella goes, no, 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 you can't. You don't understand. You wouldn't understand any of this. You, can't, you have to be told by the state what's right and wrong. And when you're watching it, you're going, well, this tall guy who's saying you have to be told by the state what's right and wrong is obviously the bad guy here. And clearly I like the short, fat bloke who's going, can I just listen to whatever program I want, please? Yeah. So it's bizarre that they didn't realise. That they didn't con on to, yeah. But sometimes they try to do a punchline and, uh, well... It's always a bit pathetic when they're trying, yeah. <laughs> even more when, the, when, when there's no punchline. I remember one where um, Tran was, was using all his bread coupons, even though he didn't need them. And he had all his old bread in his kitchen. And then Hella was coming and said, you can't do this. And, and what do you do with it? Well, I give it to the chicken. You can't give it to the chicken. And, and the other Germans need this bread. And this war is hard on everybody. And then Hella says, but what about the chicken? And that was it. <laughs> Again, you totally sympathize with the chicken when you listen to that. It's a really endearing perspective. <laughs> war was hard on the poultry. It's, it's interesting. In wartime, 
how comedy is used mm-hmm. in in propaganda. Like I was really shocked by the number of Walt Disney and and Warner Brothers cartoons that were made featuring Hitler and Bugs Bunny in the same really? sketch. Yeah, yeah, mm. yeah. There was there were scenes of Daffy Duck on the top of of Hitler smacking his face and <laughs> knocking his mustache off him and stuff. I found I found uh, anti I found German anti Nazi jokes. From the war, right. I found them very interesting. Um, so one joke in Berlin during the last months of the war was that in Berlin the optimists are learning English and the pessimists are learning Russian. Um, <laughs> or another one, um, two people conversing. One says, "What what are you going to do after the war ends?" Well, I'm going to finally go on a holiday and I'll I'll take a trip around Greater Germany. Oh yeah, what are you going to do in the afternoon? That kind of thing. <laughs> Some of them kind of still still funny, I think. Um, when the RAF is in the skies, the Germans take cover. When the Luftwaffe is in the sky, the Allies take cover. When the US Air Force is in the skies, everyone takes cover. Which, you know, kind of still applies. But the Nazis banned apes from making the Hitler salute. Yeah. On pain of death for, I think, both ape and the person who trained the ape. During the early 30s, there were a lot of uh, satirical comedians who made fun of the Hitler salute. Uh, and some tra- some animal trainers in circuses trained their apes to give a Hitler yeah, salute. Yeah, they dangled and, the food, wouldn't they? So yeah. that they had to just reach their arm yeah. at that precise and, uh, and the Nazis, unsurprisingly, took quite a dim view of that and then made it punishable <laughs> by death. By death. Yeah. <laughs> Were any apes ever executed, do you know? I don't know. I got it from a book about humour in Hitler's Germany, and I I haven't found any concrete examples. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I think ten years ago, a a man was arrested in Germany for training his his dog to do the Hitler salute. Really? Wow. That's quite impressive. Ten ten years ago, I think. And and he had trained him, and he was walking around a park, and every time he would would pass a foreigner, he would uh, command his dog to do a Hitler salute. Wow. Wow. Fair enough. Arrest him. Yeah, <laughs> yeah absolutely. Um, I read that. Um, did you know England in 2004 had a state jester? No. Yeah. We Who had was a, it? a state jester. It's a guy called Nigel Roder. And he won a competition to become the official uh, state jester. But there was too many complaints. So he, he got his, his title removed. There's what were they complaining about? Oh, well, the, the sour grapes that I they so. hadn't been given? Yeah, yeah. Uh, it basically said that the English heritage should not be allowed to use the title of state jester. A lot of people were just like, you can't, you can't be the state jester. We're all jesters. Well, it's, not, it's less funny when it's a state comedian as it's well. True. Apparently, Eric Idle says that Prince Charles asked him to be the official court jester, and he said no. The mayor of Reykjavik is a stand-up comedian. Really? Yeah. Yeah. They they had a, well they had a very uh, very rough time during the financial crisis in Iceland, and then he started a mock party. He said like yeah all these all these old politicians they they've all failed, and he started an, uh, a mock party. And uh, I think he he wanted an ice bear in the Iceland Zoo. Well, the Iceland Zoo at this point only has I think a cow and a rabbit. Or something. <laughs> he wanted to um, to legalize drugs, but only inside the parliament. Building right, (laughs) that was his program. (laughs) That's great, and he won. And And has he carried out any of his promises? No, I don't think so. I don't think there's an ice bear there. He's like all the others. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) he he surrounded himself with very good advisors because he realized that well, I'm I I can't do politics. I know nothing about it, and he's doing very well. People are very happy with how he rules Reykjavik. That's great. Wow. And the mayor of London is a comedian of sorts. Yeah, I've noticed. Well, Eddie Izzard wants to run in. 2020. Indeed. So, you know, could be a could be a running thing. Could be. Um, we should move on. James, uh, before we do, have you got any facts you want to chuck in? You were talking about the Walt Disney and Warner Brothers um, propaganda. Um, Donald Duck was in De Fuhrer's face 
uh, where he breaks down after experiencing a nightmare where he has to make do with eating ridiculous Nazi food rations, such as a smell of bacon and eggs, coffee made with one bean, and a slice of stale bread. Wow. <laughs> and in Commando Duck, Donald Duck by himself destroys an entire Japanese airbase. That sounds amazing. Uh, anything else? Yeah, Levin was talking about the um, dog who was doing the Hitler salute. Um, I found it on the Daily Mail website uh, under the headline Howl Hitler. Uh, and um, they arrested this guy whose dog was doing the Hitler salute. And a spokesman, Eva Marie Konig, said, we are retraining him to stop him raising his leg too high. He doesn't have anything that would make him interesting to right-wing extremists. However, we think he will quickly find a new owner because he is so famous. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, time for fact number two. This one's my fact. Um, so this fact is that the Philippines Basketball Association, which is the second oldest in the world after the NBA, have 10 teams in total, and their names include the Rain and Shine Elasto Painters, the San Miguel Beer Men, and Tolkien text Tropang Texters. <laughs> so it's a lot of teams with no integrity at all, just selling out constantly and well, changing their Well, it's just how names. it's done there. It's not selling out. It's just that's that's the way that they are. Like, if like, you watch boxing matches these days, most boxers have adverts painted on their back. There's a guy in America who's who's selling his last name now. So uh, so companies can, can bid, and the highest bidder will be the company name that will become his official last name. Right. He did it last year for, for one company, and now he's called, well, I don't know, James McDonald's or something. And uh, now he's doing it again because wow. it was only for one year, and I think he, he gets some $50,000 out of it. Wow. How do I think... The only benefit for these companies is in the newspaper coverage that yeah. a man is changing his name because no one sees, you of know, course. Kevin Budweiser and thinks no. oh, I must go and have a beer. We, we had a we had a, a football team uh, in in Belgium which was sponsored by Quick. Quick is is the Belgian uh, the Belgian McDonald's like Burger King, mm-hmm. and uh, they had one player called McDonald's, <laughs> <And> so <laughs> he was running on the field with this Quick logo on his back and then McDonald above it. Uh, <laughs> I just, when I was looking into the Filipino basketball stuff. Um, because they, it's a huge sport there. They absolutely love it. Um, but I suddenly remembered that Dennis Rodman had been out there a few years back. Dennis Rodman was in the Chicago Bulls. Um, he famously was married to Carmen Electra, and he's been most notable in the news recently because of his relationship with Kim Jong-un. But um, when he went out to uh, the Philippines to play in sort of one of those Americans versus the Philippines uh, basketball matches, he met up with his estranged dad, who he hadn't seen for 40 years, who's been living in the Philippines for all these years, but he's had 29 children to 16 different wives. And his name, this is his birth name, Philander. Spelled exactly wow. the same, just exactly the same. It's Philander Rodman. He lives out there, and he runs his own burger shop, which is called Rodman's Rainbow Obama Burger Restaurant, in which you can get different colored buns. And apparently, they're really good burgers. <laughs> Try them out. There are really good names all over the Philippines. I think the uh, the president and his sisters have nicknames, including Pinky, Nunu, and Ballsy. Well, there's the classic Cardinal Sin, who was the yeah. main cardinal for years. He's I think he's passed away. Yes, now. he died a few years ago yeah Jaime, yeah Jaime sin there um, are amazing sports names all over the world though they're so fun remember i think in 2005 there was a sudden rush on sales of the foot peruvian football team deportivo wankers shirts <laughs> in britain and there's a quote from the club spokesman who just came over and he was like it is very strange everyone in britain seems to think we have a funny name 
<laughs> the wanker are just like Peruvian peoples. It's not a funny word. They decided to, when they were in danger of being relegated, they decided to change their football ground to the highest town in the world, which I think is called Cerro de Pasco, and I probably haven't pronounced that right. But it is 4,400 metres above sea level, and normal people can't really breathe there or do anything. And so obviously these guys are used to it. So And they were accused of cheating, because whenever a football team came to play them, they all just kind of started collapsing and having <laughs> oh, very meltdowns. So yeah, they still got relegated, so it did not work. Well, it's amazing. My favourite basketball fact is somewhat the same. It's the Spanish basketball team had to return their gold medals of the Paralympics in 2010 because their IQs turned out to be too high. They had a basketball competition for the uh, intellectually disabled, or yeah, yeah. how do you call it? And so the Spanish completely cheated for being, well, for having too high an IQ. Too high an IQ. Yeah. That's amazing. Which is not it's normally an accusation leveled at many sports people. Well, I'm sorry. That's, that's the boy who was picked second last speaking <laughs> consistently for 13 years of school. Do you know the, the, um, the guy who invented basketball, John Naismith, his middle name is A, and they don't know what his middle name means. And the family have said, we think he just put it there, like President... Uh, uh, Ulysses S. S. Grant? Yeah, yeah. Possibly. It's I just an S, isn't it? It's just an S, yeah, yeah. yeah. But one of the discoveries that they've made about this guy is the influences that they reckon that led to the creation of basketball, including a game called, has anyone heard of this, Duck on a Rock? Does yeah, anyone know Duck I've on seen a that rock? referenced as being one of the inspirations, but what is it? So the idea was that you would have a bunch of kids playing it, you would have a rock, a big stone, on a tree stump, and that would be the duck. And you had to knock the duck off the rock. One person had to stand and protect the duck and make sure it's not knocked off the stump. The way you knock the stone, uh, the big stone off the stump is by throwing rocks at it. Big rocks. <laughs> so effectively, it's a kid's game where you are having stones chucked at you in order to protect another stone. So this is, this is what uh, James Naismith played as a kid mm. that led to him partially inventing basketball. I think that sounds fun. Really? <laughs> yeah. Stones? I'd, I'd have a size limit on the stones you could throw. They um, used it. So he used yeah. a peach basket at first, and they kept using That was in 1891. They kept using peach baskets until... 1906, I think, but they realised really early on to drill a hole in the peach basket and then you'd poke a stick up through the hole so you could oh. poke the ball out. When you figured out that you can make a hole... And then you think, yeah, let's just make a small one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just for a stick, that's big enough. I think it might have been, though. Apparently he had a really tense relationship with the school janitor because they were all his peach baskets. <laughs> and he kept on having his peach baskets with holes in them. So I think maybe it was that, like to appease the janitor. He was like, okay, I'll just do a oh, small okay. one. So a hole that's big enough for a stick, but not big enough for a peach. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah. Well, that makes sense. <laughs> in Japan, they like to turn games into an official sports. I, I only, I, I read it today that they have official rules for pillow fighting now. Really? <laughs> so they have and there's an there's now an official pillow fight association of Japan. There's a referee so there, there, there must be rules. And I think it was a Japanese guy who once tried to get hide and seek as an official Olympic game. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Other ones we had on the show were, were uh, toe wrestling. Yeah, and then of course there's the very famous, I think it's even British, the, the very famous sports called ferret in your pants. <laughs> <laughs> what is it? Well, it's very simple. You have to you have to close um, your the, your trousers at your ankles, and then you have to put a ferret in your pants, and then you have to close uh, the trousers around your waist, and and well then uh, you, you just to, wait. You just, then you have to wait. And, you just wait for the rest of your life, and you, you have to set a world a world record. And oh, ferrets ferrets normally bite, and they they don't let go. 
So <laughs> the best way to do this is to wait until it bites. And of course, they like the soft bits more. They say, don't pull them loose because they will bite again. Just... Leave it. Yeah, just cope with the pain. Well, and, it's and very stay. easy to say that, isn't it? Yeah, just, just leave it. It's fine. What are you complaining about? It'll get worse if you pick it. Yeah. <laughs> and the world champion is very proud that after his world record, he, he had three more kids. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. That's pretty wow. impressive. <laughs> um, all right, let's, uh, we should wrap up on this one. James, have you got anything to add? Um, the guy who sold his name that Levin was talking about is uh, jasonsurfrap.com. Uh, formerly known as jasonheadsets.com. <laughs> I'm not sure what his name was before that. Uh, I was looking for the rules of pillow fighting. Uh, I found the Pillow Fight League of Toronto. Um, they have a few rules there. Rule one is women fighters only, no exceptions. <laughs> the first rule. And their last rule is loading a pillow with a foreign object such as a brick is strictly forbidden. <laughs> And then just finally, I um, found a newspaper article from 1992 about ferrets. Uh, this was in the town of Newtown in Mid Wales. Uh, this is a group of vigilantes, and they'd had a lot of crime in the area. And they said, our plan for keeping law and order is simple. Anyone we catch in the act of committing a crime will frog march off to the hills where there's no one to hear the screams. We'll hold him down and slip Fred into his trousers. <laughs> <laughs> Um, okay, let's let's uh, move on to fact number three. And Anna, that's your fact. Yeah, my fact is that if you get a zebrafish drunk and put him in a tank with other zebrafish, the sober ones will follow him around. Like in a conga line. <laughs> uh, yeah, he's <laughs> doing a bit of a dance. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, they brought. So the way they they've made zebrafish drunk before, they're quite useful fish to study because they're translucent, so you can mm. see what's going on in their bodies without having to slit them open. Um, but the way they do it is they put drop alcohol into their tanks, and then they take the zebrafish out of the alcoholic tank, drop it in with other zebrafish and another one, and yeah, turns out they all follow him around. And, and why are they following? They're not entirely sure. So if you get a zebrafish, it's just like humans, really. They get more lively and they move faster and they seem not as afraid of threats and stuff. And so everyone just follows him about because he seems like a cool guy. Follow that fish. Yeah. <laughs> follow that fish with no fear Where's he going? We've been following him hours now. Where's he? No, we're still here in the town. <laughs> okay. That's um, cool. I, I read a story about a drunken moose. Um, they found it in a entangled in an apple tree. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I saw, I saw the pictures. Yeah, did it's you? An amazing yes. photo. Yeah, yeah it's, happened it's, in Sweden, right? Yeah, it's an amazing photo. Yeah. How did it get drunk? It got drunk off eating apples. So the apples were fermented. But it happens a lot that animals get drunk from eating fermented fruit. There was once a documentary where they where they were showing a um, a drunk elephant, and then afterwards turned out that the documentary makers just made him drunk just gave him alcohol wow so this the th there's a there's a there's a myth that elephants drink um that they get drunk from the amarula fruit which comes from the marula tree um and it i've i've found that it's probably not true unfortunately well unfortunately or fortunately either way mm -hmm. but that you, they would have to eat so much of the fruit yeah. and also they eat i mean every every animal near near a marula tree loves the fruit so they eat it as soon as it drops some mm. elephants even push over the trees to get to the higher fruits so it, it would be far too quick for it to ferment into enough alcohol is it a myth about koalas and eucalyptus do they get high dolphins get high on mm. uh, by chewing puffin fish really, really? yeah a, a puffin fish has, has has a poison that comes out so it, it, when, when, it, when it's bitten, it blows up and, and it ejects a poison. And dolphins are, are big enough, so they just get high. And when they find a puffin fish, they, 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 they hand it to each other. 
like students with a joint. Yeah, they hand it to each other and then they hang upside down in the water and they're just they're just tripping. Wow, tripping Amazing. dolphins. Have you, is there footage of that online? Yes, it was. Oh, we filmed, must watch that. It was filmed so by videos. the BBC, and uh, it was it was seen for the first time because they used cameras that looked like sea animals. So they, they, they built a camera that looked like a sea turtle and the dolphins were not disturbed. And this was not seen before because they don't do it when they're humans around. Yeah, <laughs> too paranoid. Yeah, I guess so. Um, on drunk animals, yeah. um, and drunk elephants specifically, elephants do get drunk quite often in India, apparently, um, an elephant expert in Assam claims, um, because of uh, Indian rice wine. And I don't know why they keep leaving it out, but um, elephants love Indian rice wine, and so they've stampeded villages and got their rice wine and stuff. Um, and there was an occasion a few years ago, I think maybe in 2004, where they got really drunk on rice beer and they ended up knocking over an ele- electricity pole and four of them got electrocuted so it's de- drinking is dangerous not just for, for yeah, humans but it's not dangerous for another animal called uh, the pentailed tree shrew which lives in malaysia and it's frequently drunk as in much drunker than humans get it, it's several times over the legal limit to drive for example even if it wasn't you know a tree shrew but the equivalent of about nine small glasses of wine is what scientists think based on tree shrew biology and also the effect of the nectar. Um, but they don't get drunk in the same way that humans do. They don't show the same effects behaviorally. So some scientists think that we might be able to harness the power of the tree shrew to drink. Though why we would want to harness something that allows us to drink and not get drunk is beyond me. I don't think that's something that humanity is crying out for. Um, But yeah, that's really cool. I think Mm. they pollinate the plant by doing this. And so they'll go keep going back to the bar and getting another another sip. And slow lorises do it as well. That's cool. Love slow lorises. Uh, yeah, the slow loris, I think, is the only mammal that is both venomous and poisonous. And it's the only primate that's venomous at all. They produce poison in their elbows, um, and then they lick it, and they have it in their teeth, and then they'll bite you with it, and they'll inject the poison into you. Wow. So it's, oh. not, it's not quite venomous, because usually you're producing the venom in the same place where you're yes. giving it to your... Victim. Yeah, yeah, they're so cute. Got such a cute mm. reputation. Yeah, don't let it bite you. We had on our show. We had um, a, a venomous centipede that eats bats. Cool. Whoa. Yeah, it's it's thirty centimeters long and it hangs from the top of a cave. And when a bat flies by, it just catches them while they're flying, and then eats it complete in two hours. I think. That's amazing. And we had it on the show, and I threw in a piece of chicken, and it just ran for it and just. Yeah, grabbed it. I hate centipedes so much. I think they're my least favourite <laughs> animal. In the, yeah, I don't like them at all. What about millipedes? I, I don't. Mind, I like them. It I've been reading about it. legs and okay. centipedes move very fast because they're hunters, mm-hmm. and millipedes move nice and slowly and gently because they're scavengers. They're not interested in you know chasing down prey. So I think it's that centipede movement that I don't like. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. Uh, the one that Levin was talking about is called Scolopendra gigantea, uh, mm-hmm. and it's been found in London. The bat-eating one. Great. I bet it's been found in, in southwest London, hasn't it? Unfortunately, <laughs> no. It was found by Stuart Hine, who we, a guy who we've met from the Natural History Museum. Oh. Um, it was reported to him, and it was climbing up someone's living room wall. Oh. Wow. A bite, a, bite of this, uh, uh, a bite of this centipede is described as 30 bee stings in one place. 
for a human. So wow. it's it's not lethal for a human, but it's extremely painful. Yeah. James, yeah, if yeah. you tell me where the living room wall was, I will never go to that postcode in London. Ever. <laughs> <laughs> we could invent the sport centipede and the pants. And so- <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, shall we? Uh, shall we move yeah, on? Sure. So, James, we, you got anything? Do you want to add? The misconception about koalas getting um, getting high on eucalyptus. Um, save the koala dot com. I'm not very happy about that at all. They they say uh, the myth possibly arose as a way of explaining why koalas sleep for up to 22 hours a day. They need more sleep than most animals because eucalyptus leaves contain toxins, which kind of sounds like they are getting a bit high, but mm. they're very adamant they're not. Okay. That's so sweet that they're trying to defend them from accusations of drug addiction. Like, <laughs> our little koalas are not just taking drugs and getting high, okay? <laughs> they're good boys. <laughs> Um, okay, let's uh, let's move on to our final fact of the show. And Andy, it's you. Okay, the youngest woolly mammoths are older than the oldest Egyptian pharaohs. Um, mammoths were walking the earth the while there time. were pharaohs yeah. in Egypt, and after about a thousand years of pharaohs as well. But yes, the last mammoth died out in about fifteen hundred BC. So they were around a lot longer than we think. Oh, so that was than, actually than, when the pyramids had been built, hadn't they? Yeah. But Sounds like a great B movie. Pharaohs and mammoths. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Coming to theatres near you. Yeah. <laughs> but um, presumably there weren't any woolly mammoths in Egypt. No. There's no pharaohs riding <laughs> a woolly mammoth. No. Were the last ones were in the Arctic. In the Arctic. They were on a place called Wrangel Island, which is amazingly named. It's now part of Russia. Few people believe they're still around, actually. Yes. Yeah, they were, they were allegedly seen in northern Russia, I think, three years ago. It was a YouTube clip, but then it turned out to be false, of course. Yeah. But you have you have this this niche movement of cryptobiologists who who think that there's many large animals that we haven't found yet, such as Bigfoot, of course. Yeah. But they also believe in the in the mammoth. Well, I mean, it's it's really interesting because we do when you say yeah, there might be woolly mammoths out there. Most of us just go, that's impossible. Mm-hmm. But they have found countless numbers of extinct animals that turned out haven't that haven't mm-hmm. been extinct. And we had a um, in a future podcast coming out, we spoke to a uh, an explorer called John Blashard Snell, who went out to look for a mythical mammoth elephant and managed to find it and it was thought to have been extinct and Ooh. turns out it wasn't and I can't remember does anyone remember where he looked for that I it thought was, it was Nepal yeah, yeah Nepal that was it's it it's a different right. kind of Asian elephant yes to the one everyone to the one that about. everyone yeah. thought yeah yeah you have you have this cartoon by XKCD the, the internet yeah. cartoonist and, and he, he has this this timeline and he says that now that everyone is carrying a photo camera or a video camera everywhere, the odds of finding Bigfoot are getting pretty slim because we had all these messy photos from a from a big distance, but everybody has a camera everywhere now. So mm-hmm. if it exists, we should see it in the coming 10 years or it just is important. Or it's yeah. Not, yeah, yeah. Oh, speaking of fakes, uh, in 2003, a museum in Leon Sea abandoned its plans to display a 150,000-year-old four-foot-long woolly mammoth tusk after a second opinion from a geologist identified it as a length of Victorian drainage pipe. <laughs> <laughs> so it did not They put were that. using tusks for pipes. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. Amazing. Yeah. I think at this point that the, the, the DNA that they found in frozen mammoths is good enough to clone them. They found woolly mammoth blood uh, and muscle tissue inside the bodies, which is a big step towards it. But there's just there's so many difficulties of cloning beyond the Jurassic Park problem, finding... Uh, a host finding uh, you know an, an organism similar enough and but they did clone the ibex the pyrenean ibex but that was an animal which had died out in the 90s 
And they managed to clone one, and it survived for seven minutes, the one that seven was minutes. born. Oh. Yeah, and then it had uh, lung problems and, and died as a result of them. But and they managed it. And what animal carried it? I don't know. Okay. Uh, maybe, uh, I suppose, a similar ibex? We had a guy on Museum of Curiosity, the radio show that we do. He's a uh, primatologist called Volker Summer, and he was saying one of the dangerous things that you're not allowed to say out loud is that actually humans and great apes could actually still copulate and have a child there is a story that in belgian congo there was a mix of a bonobo and a human really Really? yes but it's uh, it's completely unchecked Uh yeah one one of the most famous biologists in uh, in belgium is is very fond of this myth and and really wants to find it because i think technically that that would mean that we are we are the same species no that's only that's only if you're if the children can have children themselves. Yeah. Right. Mm. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I am three and a half percent Neanderthal, uh, by the way. What? You've actually, you know that for certain? You've yeah. Had, yeah, wow. yeah. I had my DNA tested. I am three and a half percent Neanderthal. Wow. wow. Is that high, above average? I think the average is two and a half, yeah. So, oh, uh, so I'm a bit more stupid than average. Uh, cool. Probably. No, I'm stronger. Sorry. I meant to say <laughs> better at opening jars. And the, the place where you, where you test it, when they send the results, they also have a suggestion of buying the T-shirt. Three, per, three, three and a half percent Neanderthal. So for every percentage, they have a T-shirt. Do they I have so. maybe one or two, ten percent Neanderthal? How high does it go? I don't think it goes up to ten. I think... Maybe five or, or something wow. is the highest, and the lowest is maybe one and a half or something. The five is quite a lot. Yeah, I'm surprised by lot. that. Yeah, but I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Hey, did you know that with woolly mammoth tusks, that if you cut them open, like if you slice in between, you can tell how old the woolly mammoth was by the rings? Like That's a tree. Right. Really? Yeah, you can count the age of a woolly wow. mammoth by its wow. rings. The same thing is true for the earwax of whales. <laughs> what? Wow. Yes. So a whale, a whale is, a, is a mammal. And, of course, because of the high pressure, the water would get inside the ears. And, and uh, evolutionary, they developed a, a plug of earwax inside their ears to keep the water out. And it grows every year. So when they, when they, find, when they find a dead whale, they just cut open the earwax oh. plug and they can count the ear rings in there. Wow. That what a is lovely job. Brilliant. A lucky man. Disgusting. <laughs> yeah. Wow. And they can, even, um, they can even find chemicals in the rings so they know in, in what year it was exposed to certain chemicals and that. Yeah. Should we, James, you want to add anything? Um, the um, ibex was surrogated in a domestic goat. Okay. Uh, and that worked okay. One quick more year ring fact. Yes, yeah. please. You might, yes. You might yeah, have yeah. heard no, this. No, no, no. The, the, the oldest tree in the world. Um, there, there's, there, I think there's this wood in California where they have really old trees up to 4,000, 5,000 years old. And one guy was, was testing them and he had, he had a special drill. You had to drill into the tree and then take it out and you could, could count the year rings. And it was a very expensive drill. It was a new one. So he put it in the tree and then he couldn't get it out again. And then one of the, one of the guys there said, oh, let's just cut down the trees. There's lots of them here and cut them down. And then he took this sample and he started counting and found out that this was the oldest tree ever seen <laughs> in the world <laughs> that he had just cut down. <laughs> and the, the other oldest living tree is in another state. So they were very angry because now the other state had ah. the oldest tree in the world. And he had to quit his job and he moved to studying lakes. And I'm always you wondering... C- you can't cut down a lake, at least. Well, I'm always wondering if he ever studied the Aral Lake, which is slowly drying up. Oh, of course. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It might be his fault, too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
Okay, that's it. That's all of our facts. Thanks so much for listening, everyone. If you want to get in touch with any of us about any of the things we've said in this episode, we can all be got on Twitter. Uh, I'm on at Schreiberland. Andy? I'm at Andrew Hunter M. Anna? Um, Still not there. Got, got an email address, though. <laughs> okay, what's your email address? <laughs> I'm not going to give it out. <laughs> okay, well, thanks. Cheers. Sorry, you, you can get Anna, though, on at Quikipedia. She, uh, she's often on that. James, what are you on? At Eggshaped. And our special guest, Levin? At Levin Skating. Great, fantastic. We're going to have lots of these videos and, and links and all that sort of stuff we've been talking about in this episode up on qi.com slash podcast. So if you want to check out anything there. And uh, we'll be back again next week. Thanks, everyone, for listening to this episode of No Such Thing as a Fish. Goodbye. Goodbye.